The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Um, today you are in for a treat because I am going on. I am going to be going on one of my rants. Uh, I'm putting newsmakers on the couch. And there are some of the most greedy, narcissistic, sociopathic people making the news. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, the, the typical newsmakers that you might expect, but I'm talking about the human interest stories that um, just make you want to go out and, and, and shake some of these newsmakers, if not worse. Um, <laughs> we have a whole, uh, there are so many to choose from. But today I've decided to start with, first of all, Gary Coleman and all the, uh, he's getting a lot more attention in death than he ever got in life, except for when he was on the TV show as a little kid, different strokes. Um, then we're also going to talk about Abby Sunderland, the 16-year-old girl whose parents let her go off sailing around the world, trying to sail around the world solo, um, which, I mean, give me a break. And then, of course, we have to chat about the um, Joran Vandersloot confession. I mean, his lies, you, you, have to, uh, you can't keep up with his lies. He keeps coming out with one that is more preposterous than the other. And why are we going to talk about this? Well, maybe somebody's going to listen that will, uh, that will think twice if something similar happens to your own life. Maybe think twice about... Um, letting someone you care about, whether it's a child or a friend um, or a girlfriend or whatever, do things that are stupid, like uh, like hang out with a guy like Joran Vandersloot or uh, sail around the world solo. Gary Coleman, of course, is a typical story, a typical tragedy. We can start with him because um, because he is... A judge has apparently decided that his remains can be cremated, which is really tragic since I think that they absolutely need to do um, more of an investigation in order to look into his death. Um, for those of you who um, don't know who Gary Coleman is, um, he was a little kid who was famous in a sitcom years ago uh, called Different Strokes. He was adorable. He was um, actually, he had uh, kidney problems, which is what caused him to be stunted in his growth. It turns out also he was adopted um, as a little child, as a baby. And he was, a, he was adorable on the show. And as what happens with many, if not most, child stars, 
um, after they stop being adorable and they are not on a hit television show or not in a hit movie, they tend to be forgotten about. Part of this has to do with the public wanting to always keep that memory of them as this adorable child, this adorable character or characters um, in television shows or movies that they were in, and not really wanting to see that character um, growing up. And so, you know, when the, when the real live person, the actor, grows up, it is, um, you don't want to face that kind of reality. Uh, you want to just always remember them as this cute kid in, you know, whatever TV or movie uh, they were in, TV show or movie. So, Gary Coleman um, started fading into oblivion, getting into all kinds of trouble, legal problems, drug problems, um, relationship problems, you know, winding up with the wrong people, uh, trying to get famous. A lot of times child stars, you know, on the one hand, they do things to, to purposely try to keep their fame going, try to get into um, other television shows or movies or any kind or being famous for having been famous. But um, for most, it doesn't work. And uh, so sometimes then their unconscious takes over and causes them to get into the news for negative kinds of things. It's just like a child who um, once, when they're not recognized for good behavior, you know, not getting gold stars for good things, they start doing things to get themselves attention, maybe not gold stars, but at least attention for negative kinds of things, negative attention, which to them is better than no attention at all. And so it is with child stars. And what's really, um, if, if you have not heard um, the 911 tape of Shannon Price, she is uh, Gary Coleman's ex-wife. He was living with her at the time that he got injured. That day, he had just come home from um, one of his dialysis treatments. He was on uh, perpetual, you know, repeated uh, dialysis because of his kidney disease. And um, even though he had gotten uh, transplants, um, one or two, I don't remember, transplants, but still, you know, the, the conditions um, that caused his problems in the first place were still active and still, it still required him to keep getting um, dialysis treatments. And ever, anyone who has known someone um, getting dialysis knows that when the person comes home, they are in a weakened state for a while. It takes them a little while to, um, you know, to get back to having as much energy as they had before. It's, it's sort of a debilitating, gradually, chronically debilitating illness. And um, so what does Shannon do when Gary comes home from his dialysis treatment? She sends him downstairs to get her lunch. Now, um, as you probably know, there are lots of disputes going on, one in, in regard to the cause of death, another in regard to um, his having had a living will saying that he should be kept alive for at least 15 days on life support, whereas Shannon uh, told the doctors to disconnect him after a day after he fell into a coma um, after the fall. So... Um, you know, here this your this man you supposedly love, even though they were divorced. Um, you know, they were together. 
uh, who, you know, no one but the two of them will know what that really meant, whether they were ever planning on reconciling or whether they were just both lonely <laughs> and living together or whether he didn't have any, uh, you know, they were they needed to depend upon each other financially. Um, and so, in any case, on the 911 call, which after this show I would um, uh, suggest that you listen to, you can Google it on the Internet, it is rather appalling because you can hear her talking to the 911 operator and telling the 911 operator that Gary fell, but she refuses to go down there and do anything that the 911 operator tells her, such as um, putting pressure on the wound. And the, the, uh, she tells the 911 operator that Gary is bleeding from his head because he fell and hit his head, and people who are on dialysis are generally on uh, blood thinners um, to help so that they don't wind up having blood clots. And so when, when someone like that falls, they are in much greater danger of having uh, a subdural hematoma, a, ble- a bleed into the brain because of being on these blood thinners and having this, um, this blow to the head. And so uh, Shannon told the 911 operator that indeed Gary was bleeding. She could see that from wherever she was in the house. And when the 911 operator told her to put pressure on, her, on his wound, she said she couldn't go down there to do that because there was all this blood and it was going to make her sick. At one point she said she would have a seizure if she saw the blood. Other times she said, oh, it would make her sick, or she said she just couldn't look at it. I mean, give me a break. If this is a guy, you know, this is someone you love or you were once married to or you care about in any uh, way, shape, or form, you manage to risk fainting or risk having a seizure or, you know, risk being... um, made to feel nauseous by seeing all the blood, and you go down there and you do what you can. The 911 operator kept asking her questions that she couldn't answer because she wasn't there. And then you can hear her calling to Gary in the background. I mean, it was, it was just, it was, this woman should be prosecuted for something, and she certainly shouldn't become the recipient of any money due to Gary's uh, death, which she already did, although she's trying to deny it now, but she already took photos of herself and Gary in the hospital. Um, after he was brought to the hospital, she takes these deathbed photos. She's in the photos, and she claims she doesn't know who took the photos or who sold them to the tabloids that printed them. I mean, hello, her picture, her face is in them, or at least in some of them. I mean, who do you think? Obviously, she knew that these pictures were being taken, even though she may not have been, you know, holding the camera per se, um, although, you know, perhaps it was on a tripod, but she knew these photos were being taken. She, um, she had herself in the photos, and... Um, and she's trying to deny that she benefited in any way. And now, of course, she's trying to argue over um, any proceeds that she would get from his death. And there is uh, potentially, even though he didn't have a lot of money at any, you know, in life uh, at this point, um, you know, he was taking menial jobs. He took a job as a security guard in one place. I think the studio felt sorry for him. And there were other kinds of um, menial jobs, menial compared to being a TV star. Um, and, um, and there is a pension that he gets, uh, you know, from the union, from his death. And 
uh, you know, uh, various various uh, sorts of income plus uh, his his likeness. Um, and you know anything that's done with his likeness or his name or his um, if they continue to sell reruns of the show anywhere you know there is money to be gotten from him and um, uh, and so uh, needless to say she wants to be the one to receive any money that there you know that that a person could stand um, to receive from him. But apparently Gary had numerous wills, and um, one of them, you know, there's uh, someone uh, named Anna Gray, who he had known before. She was his former girlfriend, and she is claiming that she is the legal administrator of his estate. Uh, She is named in a 2005 will, whereas Shannon Price is named in a 2007 note that Gary supposedly wrote to amend his earlier wills. So there's going to be, you know, a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of uh, battling over this. But but I really, um, someone should be, she should be um, charged with essentially letting him die. If she didn't push him down the stairs. You know, which of course she's denying that she did. She as good as pushed him down the stairs because she told him to go downstairs to make her lunch. He's the one who comes back from dialysis, and and why on earth could she not go down and make her own lunch, no less making him lunch? Um, yet she tells him to go downstairs. She calls nine one one, but then doesn't do anything to help herself uh, because she doesn't want to look at the blood. And then she tells the doctors to pull the plug. I mean, if someone is not responsible um, for, if she, you know, for her to claim that she is not responsible for his death, is is actually preposterous. And um, I am certainly hoping that the people who were close to Gary will keep fighting for him, and um, no, because they know that that there is uh, something very fishy with this whole story and that she shouldn't be the one to benefit in any way from his death and from any money that will come from his death. Um, it's, it, it is another interesting twist is that apparently a spokesman for the Utah Medical Association, uh, he died in Utah, said a family member's wishes are more important than the deceased's living will. So that's, that's interesting, you know. Um, uh, interesting laws in different states. I, I guess there's going to be some dispute about that as well. Well, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist, Dr. Carol Lieberman. I'm ranting today about uh, the newsmakers who I am putting on my couch. And the next one up is Abby Sunderland's family. Uh, so we'll talk about her and and and, uh, and what they were thinking. What could they have been thinking when they let her sail around the world or try to? solo. Uh, so stay tuned. There's more as, uh, as I rant about people in the news. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. 
Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, ranting today about some of the newsmakers um, because uh, people are doing incredibly stupid, greedy, narcissistic, self-absorbed, not care about anybody else uh, kinds of things, and they need to be talked about so that we can learn from their mistakes. One of the things we can learn from is um, the Abby Sunderland fiasco. Abby Sunderland is the uh, 16-year-old girl who deserves, you know, praise at some uh, level for being brave, I guess, and being ambitious, wanting to make the record of of uh, sailing around, being the youngest person to sail around the world solo. Her brother Zach Sunderland was 17 years old, and he did the, a solo sail last year. He completed it, and he held the record briefly. Um, until a 16-year-old Australian girl did did it 
in May, you know, did it after he did, being younger. And so then she held the record. Now, do you think maybe um, that could be what uh, precipitated Abby, who was 16, to try to then do it herself, uh, to try to be the youngest person? I mean, it's you know, it got to be... Uh, I think she probably wanted, her parents were disappointed after someone so quickly um, took away the record from their son, from her brother, and um, this was somewhat sibling rivalry. She wanted to be the one to uh, to bring back that, you know, that record for her family, that fame for her family, and uh, snatch it from another 16-year-old girl. And, um, but you know... <laughs> So what happened, as I'm sure most of you know by now, she uh, ran and she got into trouble. Actually, she had gotten into trouble before. Some She had a problem, a malfunction on her sailboat before, and she wound up stopping in South Africa, uh, I believe it was, and she had to get these, this malfunctioning um, equipment fixed, and then she continued on around the world until she ran into some more trouble in the Indian Ocean, last week, and um, she had to be rescued. And as she was um, being rescued, her father admitted that um, he had, in fact, signed a deal with a production company to do a reality show about his family, you know, and notably about Abby's uh, uh, sale around the world. And, I mean, that was the highlight. I mean, that was what was going to be going on. And, in fact, they started filming before she left. Now, what's so interesting is, well, people never learn. Um, you know, reality shows or any kind of television show, well, I mean, it primarily has to talk shows, reality shows. People who are producing television shows want ratings. They want people to watch the shows. That's how they get money, and that's how they get, you know, I mean, um, that, that's how the networks can charge more for the advertising, and the people can then get paid more for the next show they produce and when they sell it to the next uh, network. And um, so he, the father, supposedly thought that he, this reality show that he had uh, sold his family uh, into was going to be a modern-day Swiss Family Robinson show with inspiring kids doing inspirational things. Um, they, the Sunderlands have six or seven children, depending upon which news report you read. And he, you know, thought this was going to be a, a show that would promote how wonderful his family is, basically. Um, they homeschool their children. The father is, ha, has been, you know, very into sailing. That's his career, in a sense. Um, and he, they thought that uh, this was going to be, they were going to be the model family to inspire other families, inspire other kids. And, he, of course, the the um, production company had other plans. I mean, yes, I'm sure they weren't, weren't opposed to it being uh, inspirational, but, you know, they knew that people would, the, the selling point was that here was this, was this um, girl, 16-year-old girl, going, their parent, her parents letting her uh, sail the ocean, an ocean that we know is infested with pirates. I mean, not to mention, you know, 
course, there are all the normal things that uh, sailors have to be careful of, waves and weather, and and uh, I was just doing a show, um, I just did a show where we about uh, the woman who survived, uh, who wrote the book Alone, and who survived four days and nights as an 11-year-old in the ocean as after her her parents, her family was murdered. So, I mean, you know, there are treacherous things that have long been known about being in the ocean alone. But more recently, in more recent years, um, uh, there is the added danger of pirates boarding ships. And here we're talking about a 16-year-old girl. I mean, like, nobody's afraid about her getting raped, no less, you know, worrying about waves. I mean, there are other things that can happen to a 16-year-old girl alone on an ocean. So what were her family, what were her parents thinking? And I mean, that was bad enough. And then, of course, now we hear that they had a reality show in mind. And um, the producers um, couldn't sell his concept of this inspirational family. And um, they were going to try to take a different angle, that um, the family, the parents, were sending their daughter on an all-but-certain death trip. You know, of course, what's going to sell more? What do you think? Uh, what do you think is going to be more likely to uh, to sell um, this? You know, family doing inspirational things, or um, a 16 year old girl going on the ocean alone and and potentially getting raped or or killed by pirates or killed in a storm or, you know, any of the many things that could happen to her. So. Needless to say, unfortunately, I mean, of course, this is a commentary on our media. Yes, it would be nice if we had more inspirational stories. I'm not saying that this is a good thing. But um, but the point is that parents shouldn't be selling their families out to reality shows to begin with and shouldn't be sending their 16-year-old daughter out on the ocean, reality show or not. So in any case, um, she is, you know, she has uh, been rescued. She's on her way um, to an island near Madagascar where she's going to meet up with her family. She's going, regardless of not selling a reality show, certainly uh, the whole family has been getting a lot of fame. She's started writing a book. Probably her brother uh, may do that as well. Um, they're selling T-shirts. I mean, you know, yes, it's nice to teach your children to sell, <laughs> But And yes, it's nice to teach them to be brave and ambitious, absolutely. But you don't want to be foolhardy. And at some point, parents have to be parents and say no. You know, when a child is 16, when your child is 16 or 17, um, it doesn't mean that you should give up being a parent. You still need to tell them no when they are about to do something that is foolhardy. And certainly... Um, they should have stopped her from doing this long before she started. And, of course, you know, we all stood by and let this happen. Um, I read something about how Child Protective Services did check out the family before she went on this voyage and apparently didn't think it was necessary for them to step in uh, to stop her. Of course, Child Protective Services, as you've heard me talk about before, um, you know, I have had my own experiences where they should have stepped in in situations where they didn't, and then they did step in in situations where there wasn't any abuse or neglect and, and, um, and broke up families where they shouldn't have. So the bottom line is there needs to be better training of the people who are involved in child protective services. As um, the, the latest example, as many of you 
will remember was when I made three complaints to Child Protective Services to try to prevent uh, Octomom from taking her octuplets uh, home. Um, and and uh, they should. I asked for Child Protective Services to step in and um, and try to get uh, families for each of these children rather than letting them all go home to Octomom's house. And of course, you know, as we've heard, um, I mean, she is not doing terribly well, running out of money because she didn't get her reality show. And um, you know, we have not heard the last of this. There have been reports of children being violent to each other in the house, being jealous. I mean, that was the main issue, that there was no way that she was going to be able to get enough love, give enough love and attention to her 14 children, the six who she had before, and then these octuplets. So, you know, there's an example of Child Protective Services uh, missing an opportunity to step in and, and save these children from being neglected, at, at the very least being neglected. So, um, so there comes Abby Sunderland and her family, and of course Abby is sticking up for her parents, uh, you know, not wanting them to be blamed for, for what happened, even though she did have to be rescued, and um, you know, it's it's basically a mess. <laughs> it's basically a mess, and parents should not let their children go sailing off into the sunset uh, and hope hoping for the best or hoping for a reality show. We do need to take another break. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you about newsmakers in the news, people who um, should have known better. And when we come back, we'll talk more. We'll talk about Joran Vandersloot and uh, his many lies. So stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to get ahead, you have to stand out from the crowd, the clutter, and the competition. Are you? Tune in each week for Standing Out with Lauren Saunier. Lauren and her guests have the secrets that can help you and your business get noticed, get attention, and achieve your desired results no matter where you're starting from. Standing Out with Lauren Saunier, live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get ready to be a marketing machine. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. At last, a radio program dedicated to helping women look fabulous and feel fabulous naturally. You'll pick up tips on natural detox, learn about the benefits of whole foods, practice stress and relaxation techniques, and learn more about health, relationships, remedies, and self-motivation. Tune in to Feel and Look Fabulous with Arena. Broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We promise you, it's women's time well spent. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? 
Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, ranting at people in the news for the stupid, selfish, greedy, (laughs) fame-hungry, fortune-hungry things that they are doing without any respect for human life, even when it has to do with their family. We're talking about uh, Gary Coleman and Abby Sunderland and her family. And, you know, of course, it remind the Abby Sunderland story reminds you of um, the Heen family, the Balloon Boy family. Now, granted, he, um, you know, that was he was not in danger. Actually, you know, they pretended that he went up in the balloon and and uh, he was actually hiding. <laughs> although, although you know, uh, his consequences, the fact that he slipped up when he was doing a television show. And, and mentioned something about, I thought we were doing this for the show, um, which is what tipped everybody off to the fact that this was just a stunt to get attention for a reality show. Um, I think the consequences that he's living with, since his parents went to jail and so on, um, are more long-term and probably more serious, since obviously his parents and his uh, siblings are angry at him um, for you know everything that happened after that. Um, so in fact, the damage to him you know, is probably far greater than what happened to Abby. She was just in danger, supposedly, you know, for a while, but then she was rescued and she's going to be okay. And actually talking about that, I don't know if if you um, heard anything on the radio or watched any interviews about her family, but I heard an interview about by her brother, an interview of her brother, when they had lost contact with her. This was before they knew where she was, supposedly, before the the boat had rescued her. um, And her brother did not seem terribly upset that um, they had lost radio contact with her. I'm not not sure if that's the correct technological word, but they had lost, you know, whatever kind of uh, uh, connection, contact they were having with her. It was lost for a while, and that was, you know, what was the scary thing. But, you know, it was really amazing for someone whose sister was um, on the high seas uh, in a storm without contact. He seemed incredibly uh, nonchalant about the whole thing. And then this was before it came out that the family had signed a deal for a reality show, which has got to make you wonder whether, in fact, this whole losing contact thing 
was a part of the reality show, was staged in order to get the world to pay more attention to her. I mean, you know, she had there was a lot of attention when she uh, went off on this sale, and there was attention when she needed something fixed, and she had to come aground for a while. And then, you know, people, there, there really wasn't, I mean, yes, they were, had something on their website and all you could follow her uh, blog, but there really wasn't all that much attention on her. So, you know, you got to wonder about that. And, by the way, they made a documentary of the son's um, voyage, and they were going to do the same thing. Uh, you know, the family um, produced a documentary uh, about the son's voyage, and they were going to do a documentary themselves about the daughter's voyage So, um, and sell it from their website. So, you know, reality show or not, they were still planning to make money out of all of this which is kind of another interesting topic, but I want to get to Joran. But, you know, it is true. Um, think about the people you know. Think about yourself. Um, it, it is getting harder these days in these poor economic times. Uh, people are getting more willing to do things that they thought that they would not ever do. And I don't mean, you know, cool things like uh, stretching themselves <laughs> you know, to do brave things necessarily. Um, I, I mean, uh, you know, doing things that aren't quite right in business, doing things to their customers or doing things to their colleagues or doing things to their family. Um, you know, there's this culture that seems to be growing out of both a combination of these poor economic times when people are feeling rather desperate to the general background of um, more terrorist attacks, more foiled, uh, terror, barely foiled terrorist attacks um, going on. Uh, you know, this general sense that you may not, ha- your life may not last as long as you once thought it would. And so people are feeling more desperate and more um, foolhardy and are doing things that they really wouldn't have imagined themselves doing. Now, this could, you know, you could try to turn this around, as a, you know, you, but you have to put a lot of effort into this. I mean, you can turn around that idea of facing your mortality in order to make a bucket list and do things sooner that, you know, that you thought you'd do someday um, to do them now. I mean, that could be a positive thing, and I'm all for that as long as you don't do things that are foolhardy or you don't do things um, that, that are against your ethics, you know, or against ethics in general. You don't change your ethics, you know, blur the lines of ethics to tell yourself that something is okay to cheat on when it isn't. All right, let's go to Vandersloot, and we may come back to this depending upon... But, you know, it's, it's something that I've been noticing more and more, and... Um, these cases that I'm talking about in the news are, are sort of, you know, extreme cases of, of people doing crazy things or greedy things and so on. But, um, but there are also people in your neighborhood who may not be making the news for what they're doing, but they're, you know, sort of making these little changes that aren't always good. All right, talking about changes that aren't good, um, you're in Vandersloot. Joran Vandersloot, uh, of course, is the young man who, uh, in a, who was in Aruba when uh, Natalie Holloway disappeared. He was the last person to be seen with her. Um, he was accused, um, you know, I mean, <laughs> I don't know that there's, you'd have to be under a rock to not know 
that he was the main suspect in the killing of Natalie Holloway. And he has not admitted, um, unless it's been today uh, or in the last, or maybe he admitted it to somebody. I mean, he, he keeps, he, even in the confession of this most recent woman who died, he keeps changing his story about what happened. But the most consistent story that he told about Natalie Holloway, um, he was charged with her death, and then, of course, he got out of it. Let me just, I'm just backing up to give a little history. Uh, he, of course, he got out of it, and the main reason why he got out of it was because his father, well, was, was because, one, they didn't find the body, and two, his father, the main reason was that his father was a lawyer and studying to be a judge, very friendly with all the judges, and um, whether he paid off some people or whether people owed him favors or however the father managed to do it, he managed to keep Yorin um, from being convicted of the killing of Natalie. Um, and so that left Yorin free to roam around. And what does he do but five years to the day after Natalie died, um, lo and behold, he winds up killing, and now he has confessed to it uh, until he comes up with another story. But for the time being, he has confessed uh, to the killing of Stephanie Flores Ramirez, a Peruvian young woman who had the misfortune of meeting him in a casino um, in Peru. And um, But just to go back a little bit to Natalie, because with that killing, the most consistent story that he has told is that he um, he did go with Natalie and of course there were two brothers who were with him in the car and they drove to a beach and uh, he was going to have sex on the beach with Natalie and he has claimed that um, I don't know if he admitted having given, given her the date rape drug which he did um, but he, he said that uh, at some point in their lovemaking she died, you know, that she had had too much to drink, and presumably it was the combination of her drinks with the date rape drug or drugs that he gave her um, that may well have been, you know, caused her demise. Um, but it's interesting because that was pretty believable um, until this most recent story where the girl, uh, Stephanie, was killed and he has admitted... Um, at times, that he uh, that he hit her in the nose, and that he strangled her to death. Now, when when he was um, he, he this was in a hotel. He took her back to his hotel room in uh, Peru, and he then left. You know, there, there were cameras. You probably have seen the videos of them walking into his room, and unfortunately, he was the only one who left that room later on that morning and um, one story was that he went out to get to get breakfast or, or coffee for him or them and when he came back um, he found her looking on his laptop and coming up with the story of uh, Natalie Holloway and and uh, his coming back to the room and, and seeing that she was reading these stories and becoming furious at her because he was invading his space, <laughs> finding out about him, and um, and getting into a scuffle with her in which he wound up uh, 
striking her in the nose and and strangling her. Of course, what's and, and then leaving that morning, um, taking her money and taking her SUV. Again, this is you know, uh, this is at, at least in some of the stories. Um, but there have been there have been other ones. Now, the key to this, however, is now may, it may well be true that that he you know went out for coffee. He was being a uh, being a uh, what a uh, um, trying to be a good <laughs> a good guy and and went out for for rec to get breakfast to bring it back to the room. Of course, I wonder it'll be interesting to to see how many cups of coffee he had with uh, with him. You know whether she was whether he sh- thought she was going to still be alive when he came back. But anyway, let's just say giving giving him the benefit of the doubt that he did come back and there she was on his laptop looking up who this guy was and discovering that she was. Uh, with, you know, wh- what many people call a-, a murderer, who many people call a murderer. But the, the thing is that that wouldn't have been enough to get Yorin to, um, to kill her in the brutal way that he did. Because, I mean, you know, um, she would just be one more person in the world who knew that story. I mean, certainly, um, but, the, but the key here is that her having read that story probably would have likely um, made her not want to have sex with him. And it was the sexual rejection that occurred perhaps either before he went out for coffee or after he went out for coffee, that is what set him, um, caused him to fall off the edge, you know, and and become um, so enraged that he would brutally kill her. Because um, that is the, the, it's the, the rejection, the sexual rejection that would have had, would have brought up that brute force that he would have needed to kill her in that way. I mean, to just argue, as he's trying to say, about reading articles about him killing Natalie, I mean, even if, even if she accused him of being a killer or whatever, I mean, certainly she was not the first person to do that or the only person. I mean, most of the world thinks that. So that wouldn't have been enough for him to have killed her in this brutal way, close-range, intimate way that he killed her. Um, and obviously, it, it, you know, <laughs> if he had hoped that after he brought back coffee that she was going to be uh, willing to have sex with him, his hopes had to have been dashed <laughs> once she read these stories about him, and that would have been what set him off. And, of course, uh, you know, what, he left. He left the hotel. There are reports that he said uh, something like, uh, let my girl, you know, don't bother, my, don't disturb my girl, she's sleeping. And uh, he walked out of the hotel with her money and her SUV, and, which he apparently abandoned at some point because he then took a taxi um, to go to Chile. And when he was captured by the Chilean authorities, he originally told them that he didn't admit to killing her, and he told them that there were two robbers who came into their room, and one had a knife, and one hit Stephanie in the face and made her, made her nose bleed, and it was because of that that, um, uh, you know, that she wound up dead. So, um, as, and as he's, uh, you know, with this confession, um, I'm sure there's going to be more stories. Can't, since he can't keep his stories straight, he's a pathological liar. And um, 
and uh, we will be hearing more about uh, his motives and what happened, I'm sure. But at least, at least his father died uh, a few months ago, and he's not going to be able to protect him from the Peruvian authorities. I think this time he's probably going to get the punishment he long deserved. It's just sad that he didn't get it before, because that would have saved this girl's life. So um, let me, we need to take a break. Um, I will uh, be back with more about urine and more about um, the news. When we come back, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, uh, trying to interpret, <laughs> analyze what's going on in the news and, and why. So stay tuned, and I'll be right back. Talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman putting newsmakers on my couch and ranting about it. <laughs> I was ranting so long about Joran uh, van der Sloot <laughs> in the last segment. Um, I, you know, I, I, going to back to what I was saying about uh, her sexual rejection of him, um, they found that she was not sexually assaulted. So, you know, obviously uh, they had not had sex. Um, and uh, <laughs> she did not want to have sex. <laughs> Um, and and that's what's what set him off, which which kind of speaks to what kind of a dysfunctional relationship he must have had with his mother 
you know, to take rejections from women that seriously. Um, he, uh, one of his claims is that um, he, he said that the reason why they went back to the hotel room was after the casino was that she wanted to, Stephanie wanted to continue playing poker online. Um, so they went to his hotel in his SUV um, at around 5.30 in the morning, and it was around 8-something when he went out to get coffee, supposedly, for the two of them. So, um, and then he claims, one of his claims is that he struck, she struck me on the left side of my head with her fist after she supposedly read about him. Uh, <laughs> she Googled him and, uh, and found out that he was the one, you know, it's amazing to tell you that, you know, that she didn't, I mean, that she didn't recognize him, but I guess because he came from a very um, well-to-do, prominent family, um, so they presumably had, you know, television and heard about the, the Natalie Holloway story, but I guess maybe she didn't expect him to be in Peru, where he was for a poker tournament, supposedly. And then there was, um, there, there are stories that the uh, FBI, of course now they're trying to deny it, but so I don't know what's true about this, but there, the Yorin had, um, was running out of money, you know, his, um, or he wanted more, and he, or he just wanted the fun of this, and he contacted Natalie Holloway's family and tried to, um, uh, and he extorted money from them. He told them that he would tell them where Natalie was. And I don't know, there are some reports that the FBI was involved and that they contributed some of the money because the family gave them, gave him 15,000 and he wanted a hundred, or he wanted, I don't know, he wanted a hundred thousand or 250,000. He wanted a lot of money and they were giving him, uh, I guess a little just to see whether he would give them any money, any information or whether any of the information was going to be accurate. And so that is the money that he supposedly used to go to Peru for this poker tournament. So it just gets more and more complicated, and if Aruba had done what they should have done in the first place uh, to charge him with her murder, then this all wouldn't have happened. But what's interesting is that, according to one report, um, he told the um, he told one of the FBI people agents who came to Aruba, he showed him a um, a, a house and said that Natalie was buried. That, her fa- that his father helped him bury Natalie under the foundation of this house. And that turned out to be false. But what's interesting is, for those of you who are my devoted listeners and have been listening for years, um, you may remember that at the time of Natalie's disappearance, I had on a family member. Um, and he said that the, they believed that uh, Joran's father had helped Yorin bury Natalie in his own family's uh, yard or patio or, you know, there was, it, it, it's very interesting that there were similarities in that story. Now, I, I don't know, there have been reports that Aruba dug up places around Yorin's house and didn't find Natalie, but, you know, did they dig it all up? Did they miss the spot where she was buried? Did the father really help him bury her? And you know, he, it's very interesting because when people tell lies, especially uh, especially sociopathic uh, liars, they, they there are sometimes some elements in the story that are true. They just just not the whole story. 
So it's really kind of interesting that uh, he took him to, showed him a house and told him this story that may well have elements of the truth. In any case, we need to, uh, I need to sign off. I thank you all for listening. And my cautionary note or message would be, the take-home message is, these are crazy times. But please, please don't let them make you go crazy. You know, it's family that's important. It's love that's important. Make your bucket list. Don't think that your life is going to go on forever. But then again, don't do crazy, desperate things because you think you're going to die tomorrow. So that's the balance that you need to strike. And I wish you all well. And uh, I wish you the fortitude and the resilience to be able to do that. Thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.